things are pretty bad, why would you answer the door to a hitman? That's exactly right. No, because he always said he was a dead man walking. I hear Mandy scream out, they're dead, they're dead, they've killed him, they've killed him. What does that signify to you? That's a hit. This is Life and Crimes. I'm Andrew Rule. Before we get started, I'd like to warn listeners that today we're going to talk about some confronting evidence about the brutal murder of Terry and Christine Hodson. To do that, we are back in the studio with Anthony Dowsley, Herald Sun investigative journalist. Andrew. And with Andrew and Mandy Hodson, our guests. In previous episodes, we've looked at the lead-up to the deaths of Terry and Christine Hodson. But today, we're going to talk about the night itself. Listeners will recall that on May the 16th, 2004, a hitman, or maybe even hitmen, got into the Hodson's house in Kew and shot the Hodson's. Who they were and how they got in and what happened next is what we're discussing today. Andrew and Mandy Hodson. There's no pleasure in taking you through this, you two, because, you know, you're now adults in your um, old enough to have children of your own, but in the end you'll always be orphans because of what happened happened on that terrible night. But there are some uh, two or three things I'd want to ask. I think most people just come into this cold think, well, Terry Hodson knew he was in trouble. He had been threatened. He probably knew there was some sort of contract out on him of some sort. What would persuade him to open the door in those circumstances to to what sort of person? Do you believe that he was somehow conned or tricked into opening the door by some particular ruse or by some particular person who was aiding and abetting the killer? What what do you believe happened? I believe they jumped the back fence. Okay, jumped the back fence and uh, forced the door. No, they didn't force. If you jumped the back fence, you could basically walk like 10, 15 steps and you would in the room where they were. Oh, so no, no real, there's no real security on that back. Um, oh, there was plenty of security, but there was one weak spot. Yeah. Well, you could scale the fence from the back, yep. jump over into his garden, and yep. then just walk round to the room they were sitting in. And What did you have to do to scale that fence? What was the access to that back fence? Well, there was the units behind. Okay. So you could walk in there late at night quietly and yep. jump over. Yep. No, they weren't units and it was a house. No, no, I'm not talking about the side, where your your unit was. Yeah, mine, yeah. Yeah, that's where I reckon that There was a spot. Yep. And would anybody that was a bit alert to such things, such as, you know, crooks who are good at burgling houses and know their way around, would they have picked that fairly easily without any prior information? They wouldn't need inside info to do that? No, you wouldn't need inside info, but if if you're doing surveillance, yeah. Have a look. Okay. Yeah. yeah but and so, re- really, relatively simple. Well, yeah, because I don't reckon the old man let them in their house. Okay. That, fine. Well, that's interesting because, you know, the question arises you think, well, things are pretty bad. Why would you answer the door to a hitman? That's exactly right. And um, no, your answer to that is he didn't. Gum wasn't there. I've got a different theory. 
Sorry, I'm not. Oh, I'm okay. not having an argument with my brother. I'm just no, no, saying no, my, no, my fine. Don't, no, no need to argue. Yeah. No, I'm not arguing. In the end, we're all. It's all supposition at this stage, I guess. Yeah. And what were you thinking, Mandy? No, because my dad had a gun that was always with him. Um, yep. Day, night, whatever. Um, and when I found them, his gun wasn't there. So if going off the police, they said Dad did let someone in. I think that if he did, whoever it was must have been um, of like maybe police or, you know, in disguise because when um, the – was it the SOGs that come that wear the belts and the army boots yeah. and the – they're them. Yep. One, yep. one of one of those police officers came and when I opened the garage door to um, – talk to him, Molly, the German shepherd that was dad's, who was concussed, she went from the ground to straight at this bloke's throat as if something had triggered in her head. And because my dad didn't have the gun next to him in the room where they were murdered, I reckon that if it was um, just the police coming down the drive, dad might have thought that one of us was her, Andrew, me or Nikki. So I yep. reckon he might have said to mum, hey, babe, you go put the gun away because he wasn't yep. supposed to have it. Yeah, but of course, he, yeah. yeah. And yep. um, that's why it was in his bedside table. And so then um, they've come in that way. but Because he wouldn't have let anybody else in because to get over the back fence, I know where he had that dud thing, you would have had to have come through the person's unit or over the roof. and no, down, the, the, down the vacant block. Up over that fence, walk through. But boom. the other thing they had to do was negotiate the dogs. Yes, who were they were vicious dogs. Well, they were trained. They, to, were, there for, to they were there for a purpose. That's right. They were there for a purpose. Yeah. Um, so they've handled that, um, and then they've been able to make their way into the house. Yep. Where would the dogs normally be? Uh, in the room where my parents were found murdered until my parents went to bed. Then they put them in the garage. Lock the courtyard door, and obviously they'd go to bed. Okay. So do you think those dogs have been put to bed late at night before all this happened? No, because if my parents were still up, the dogs would have still been in the room oh, with them. Do you understand? So the mystery of the dogs, the dogs have been put out of the way. Well, they've been belted, yes. The one? Oh, I see. Yeah, one. Molly, she'd been belted, but the other one, she'd just come back from, um, what do you call it, being neutered? Yeah. Is that the word? Desexed. Yeah. Desexed, yeah. Yeah, no worries. Yep. So whoever did it knew how to belt a dog and get it to, to desist yes, by hitting it. Yes, So you think the dog was in the room with your parents? Either in the room or come out of the room towards the person that was making the threats. Okay. And it's, the dog's been hit. And where has the dog ended up? Where Where is the dog when the scene is uncovered? She was in, they were in the garage. Yeah. So, so how, were, did the, how did the belted dog get from the from the living room, or for want of a better word, that room? No, well, it's not from to, the living room. It's for, when, I well, open, when I open the garage door, for the yep. dogs to be in the garage, men, yep. mum and dad, well, should have been in bed. Um, because yeah. when they went to bed, Dad would put the dogs in the garage and they'd have the run from the garage out to the garden bit, which is where you yep. could have jumped the fence, and the door that led into the courtyard and um, 
where they were found murdered, that door should have been bolted, locked, right? And then they right. go inside and they go to bed and the dogs have got that part where if anyone is jumping, they would have gone berserk. Whereas right. when I did it, when I opened the door, I went to go in through the house, um, which is what you usually did. But in this instance, the um, security door wasn't locked and the interior door was. Now, I had a key to the security door, which would make sense. But when I went to um, use the key, it was already unlocked and the interior door had the lock on it. Now, it should have been the other way round. So when I did that, I went, oh, that's a bit weird. So then I went through and thought, I heard the TV on and I thought, oh, that's a bit strange. But the door that should have been um, locked because the dogs were in the garage, that was open. So I opened it and then that's when... The door, when you say the door, that's the door between the house and the garage? No, the door between the um, courtyard and the garden. garden. If we just go back a step, um, the last time you spoke to your mum or dad on that weekend, when was that? That was the um, the Friday. I think no, even even the Saturday during during the day okay. because um, I was due to go for dinner on the Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. Um, yep. we, and, and you'd had a bit of a night on the Friday night. Yeah, I lost my license yeah. on the Friday night <laughs> for um, drink driving. Yep. And so I was slightly a lot hungover, and. Um, the only reason I wasn't there on the Saturday night was I was still going, oh, yeah, I feel a bit yuck. So you were going to go around for dinner on Sunday night? Sunday night, yeah. And Andrew, you spoke to them on the Saturday night. Yes, I was. And you'd gone them. around there. Yep. And then um, your son James has spoken to them about the footy. Yes. Saturday night footy. Your dad barracked for? Uh, no, it was because um, my son reckoned that Carlton was going to win, but they didn't win. Right. And because um, it, it was on Foxtel, because I'm pretty sure it was against Brisbane. And my parents had Foxtel, so my son said to them, can I phone you up and you give me scores? Yeah, okay. Right? And, of course, my dad said, yeah, of course yeah, I of will. Course. Yeah, yep. Yep. Okay, so and he, that would have been the last time you spoke to him? Well, that was the last time my son spoke. Okay. He, we reckon on the phone, that was the last phone call that came in, was from my son. And the next day on the Sunday, yep. Andrew, you arrive and Mandy arrives Slightly afterwards yeah. or the other way around? A couple of minutes. No, only, yep. yeah. That way around? I was there first. Okay. Yeah. I pulled in, uh, tooted the horn to my car because the garage door was closed. Yep. Um, I didn't have a key to get in the place, so I yep. just thought, and it was a bin night. Yep. So I took the first bin up, a garbage bin if you like, put it on the front verge. Mandy came and um, she said, have you heard from mum and dad? I said, no, I've just got here. Yep. Right? I said, I'm just taking the bins out. So Mandy walked down the driveway with me. She's opened up the door and we both went into the garage and Mandy couldn't get, um, obviously couldn't get the security, uh, the, the door into the house yep. open. Um, so I said, well, that's easy. Just go around the back. I said, and I'll take the other bin out. Yep. Right. Then it's just as I get to the top of the driveway with the other bin, I hear Mandy scream out, they're dead, they're dead. They've killed them. They've killed them. Well, they've murdered them. They've murdered them. So I come bolting down the driveway through the the back of the garage, which my dad had made an access point so that you could walk into the back courtyard, took a left, went into the 
courtyard bit and then looked into the room where they were, were and there they were lying face down. Can you take us through, because Mandy, you saw first, yeah. and Andrew, you came yep. as a response to Mandy. Yep. What did the room look like? What did you see? Two jet people. Nothing was disturbed, nothing. The, and the the space that they were murdered in, you would have thought something would have got knocked or... My dad was still holding a cigarette and um, apparently um, mum was clutching her lighter because I've got her her lighter with blood on it still at home. But they were just lying... Face down. Yeah, face down, dead. You were basically touching your mother, saying, "Yeah, wake I, up." Yeah, felt it to see. Yep, I felt it to see if she was warm. Then when I turned to my dad to do the same thing, that's when I saw the bullets on the back of his head. What does that signify to you? That's a hit. Your parents were both smoking or lighting cigarettes at the time of their death. The old man had yeah. a because um, he smokes rollies. He yeah. um, his hands were forward. Obviously, with yep. his face down and his body down, and just in front of his, um, his, where he held his cigarette was um, yep. an unfinished uh, rolly. Yep. My mum, um, she had her hands by the side of her. Don't they reckon yep. she was clutching it, according to them? No, well, I don't know. Yeah, they said I she thought... was. She was holding. Do she you... was holding the lighter. No. Well, you both saw the scene. Do you feel that they were surprised by someone who came through the? Back door to use a bit of, for want of a better phrase. Well, no, you couldn't. You couldn't sneak up behind oh, well, them, well, but you could sneak in a side door. And I suppose um... access a world of true crime podcasts on CrimeX Plus, where award-winning journalists take a deep dive into unsolved cases. Every week, we're waking up to a dead woman, a dead mother, sister, auntie, grandmother. It's not good enough. From the team that brought you The Teacher's Pet, Shadow of Doubt and Dying Rose, unlock early, ad-free and bonus content from brand new series and flagship shows such as I Catch Killers with Gary Jubilin. One was shot in the mouth and I thought he was dead. Another one had been shot with a shotgun and I got the overspray. Search for CrimeX Plus on Apple Podcasts to start digging deep into the world of true crime. Do you think they were surprised by someone breaking into the building or no, because do you think they were seeing there relaxed with a semi-relaxed with a cigarette talking to someone they knew? Well, no, so I don't even think it was that because, as I say, my dad had a gun. Now, he did not have that gun next to him when he, yeah, which was significant. He wanted it put away because... That goes to your theory that it was somebody in uniform outside. Yeah, because I mean, it, it's taken me a while to to come to that. Put but it when I when I finally worked out, like my dad would not have not had that gun. And the only thing I can think of is when I team it up with the fact that Molly, when the garage door was open and the police officer was there, she. I've never seen this dog do it. Yeah. She went from lying on the floor. She saw this bloke. Yeah. And what, what does that mean? Well, to me, what do you that, that, yeah. that triggered something in her head. So earlier on right. in the night, someone, whoever it was, has um, gone and her. disabled her. Yeah. And so my dad, for it, for the gun to be back where it was, 
it meant yeah. that there's no way he would have been complacent. No way known, and I won't swear. So when I've thought about it, I thought, well, he would have, the only person other than myself, my brother and my sister that he would have opened that door to would have been police because he would have okay. thought something's happened that to them. it was them. important. Yeah. yeah, it was important. So he would have said to my mum, babe, you put that, you know where, and I'll yes. go and answer either that the garret or the door. Yeah, and it makes it's sense. It's quite a persuasive argument. Yeah. Tell me this. Yeah. We all make mistakes and we some of us are, are more um, risk prone than others. Yep. We take risks. And I, I, I'd suggest that people who indulge in crime are risk takers by definition. Yep. Is it conceivable that even though your father knows that he's in danger and that it's a big tough world and there's a lot of people want to hurt him, yep. that if someone turned up and said, mate, I just need to, I'll give you five grand for this for a gun or whatever it might be, a chance to make some money. No. That he would possibly be persuaded into opening the door? No. No. Not a chance in He just wouldn't? No, No, he wouldn't. No. No, because he always said he was a dead man walking. Okay. That was his thing. If someone jumped over the back fence and came, basically burst into the house, on Mandy's evidence, your dad should have had a gun next to him. Yes, that's right. We, but it wasn't. It was in the bedroom. Yes. Is it conceivable he just made a mistake that night and it left it in the bedroom or put it there earlier? Oh, look, you know? I couldn't tell what you that, think? but the last time oh. I saw my old man when I was pulling out of his driveway on the Saturday afternoon or Saturday evening, yep. he'd um, he'd actually done his sciatica, yep. right? And I, when I looked at his face, I thought, because you don't look well, Dad. And he goes, oh, it's yeah. just my back. It's just my back, but... To look at his face, he looked as though he was younger than me. He looked as though he was in his 20s. Right. There's one distinct thing I do remember seeing in him. And uh, as I say, like, I've seen my old man do his sciatica before and he just, like, very slowly moves and, well, just let me sit down, relax. Yeah. But I suppose they say that, um, you know, within two weeks, if you're dying, you 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 make sure you do everything right. Whether that's true or not, I, I don't know. I, I don't believe so. But um, mm. it could have been that he just, yeah, as you say, I wouldn't say lapse. He could have just, the pressure got that much to him, he just went, oh, you know what, if they're going to kill me, they're going to kill me. Right, and therefore it's conceivable that even though mostly he had the gun in the room with him, on that night he might not have. <laughs> Well, that's what Mandy's uh, position yeah. is, is correct. I agree with her. Yeah. But I also agree when I went through the backyard with the Homicide Squad detectives, yeah. there was a certain spot that I picked out, not only on the yep. ground but on the pergola, yep. which I know the the dummy horsewall that um, comes out the side was actually nailed and fixed there because I was the one that nailed it. And if yeah. my old man was alive... He'd tell you, yeah. when I nail something, I nail something. Right. Right. Yeah. So I'm not sure so, because I'm not, paying for, I'm not paying for the nails. Right. But what you're saying is you think somebody might have come over the back fence, burst in. And what would they have to do to get through the door they got in? The and door, was there any sign of it being the, burst open? No, the door would have been open. or It would have been open. That, that door unlocked. Yeah, the, the door that goes into the courtyard would have been unlocked because of the dogs. Right. 
right. and the door into the room, which was French doors, one of them would have been open or the other one closed or they could have both been open. So their security was very much like Singapore during the war. The security was out the front. Yes. Yep. It wasn't very secure at the back. Oh, yep. Yeah, it was okay. It was secure. I was very secure. Right. Don't get me wrong. I mean... If, uh, from one direction. Just It was just one weak point. If somebody did jump over the back, what's, what's with the dog situation? Well, the dogs would have been inside the room with my parents. They would have been. And they weren't. And again. No, see, that's what I'm saying. For them to be in that garage, they wouldn't have listened to anybody else. So, and the way that they went, that's what I'm saying. They took the tapes and they went out. It's like they knew all the layouts. So they just, yeah, he didn't, he wouldn't have left that gun. And actually, I did ask a couple of people, <laughs> being left-handed, right-handed, the way the gun that was, it was facing in the drawer would have been put down by someone who was left-handed. My dad was right-handed, my mum was left-handed. So the way the gun was facing, for me, got me to think that mum would have gone and put the gun down being left-handed. A right-handed person would have put it the other way, a left-handed person would have put it the way it was because it was facing dad with the way when you found it in the drawer. Now I didn't find it in the drawer. Yeah, well, no, I showed you where it was, but what I'm saying is it was facing Dad. No, that's a left-handed oh. person. No, I remember clearly because you I said can, where's... I can't remember. No. I you asked said, you where it was. Yeah, where it was. I showed you where it was, me thinking about it, the way the gun was facing. If I'm right-handed, I'm going to put the gun in that way. A left-handed person's going to put it... In, I know you can't see yeah. me because it's radio, but whatever. Oh, I got you. Okay. She put it that way because she's left-handed and it was facing The, the issue here is, too, that the dog's... Someone has put the dogs in the garage where you found them. No, they haven't put them in there. They've just belted oh. them, obviously left, and then the dogs. And they to could go, run, oh, they could just run in there. They could go into yeah. If a dog was frightened enough, it'd go into the Cause, place where yeah, it, yeah. Well, Ty, because yeah. Ty was in the room where they were murdered. The poodle, he was lying I, with them, and they've they've had enough sense to like close the, the door, and Ty was lying there. One question about the other floor weakness that was in your parents' house was that the the, the surveillance by camera, yep. the video cassettes were labelled Monday to Sunday and that one was found and one was missing. I think... Or deleted. No, the one was missing from the Saturday night. Yeah. The tape that would have shown who came in the, in the door. Yep. So someone must have been pretty quick thinking yep. to have been able to do that or asked. Or known. Or known. You're faced with something that nobody can comp- comprehend, and both of you do things that are a little out of whack after that. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us in shock what what you did? Well, I grabbed the um, <laughs> the I can't believe it's not butter tray, which had coke on it. I grabbed that um, and went inside and had a lot of coke. And I asked Andrew if he wanted one, and he said, no. And then I went to ring Triple O, the normal police, which I did, but then Andrew goes, oh, hang up. So I hung up Um, because I I remember saying, oh, yeah, there's dead people. And they go, how do you know they're dead? And I go, because they're cold like the fridge. But then I hung up on him, 
and of course Triple I knows who's called, so they were ringing back. But Andrew then called. Did you no, call Peter DeSanto? Peter DeSanto. Yeah. Yeah. And did you call Gobbo to get in touch with yeah, Peter yeah, DeSanto? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I did. I thought, well, I phoned DeSanto first, and then spoke to Gobbo, or vice versa. Yeah. I can't. I mean, 16 years ago. Yeah. Okay. Um, obviously, <coughs> all the police come. Um, you know, it's there's a scene. It's a crime scene. Yep. Um, what was going through your minds, apart from the shock of your parents being killed, um, what did you think had happened, obviously, apart from the fact that they'd been shot? Who did you think was involved? The police. You believe the police were involved? From the word but dot. Considering that you knew that the informer files were out there, yep. why would you be so certain of that? Well, there was more police access to my parents' place than uh, there was by any crooks because my dad wouldn't have anybody else around his place. Um, even though these files had come out and the fact that it had come out that it was allegedly a Mockbell drug house, yep. all the people that he ever basically dealt with on a what you would call more serious scale criminals, they would never come to his house. So I... Did they know where he lived? Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. But um, <laughs> he'd been threatened plenty of times with being murdered. Were you, and he just laughed it off. Did you state in your police statement that uh, about your parents' murders that um, your dad had been threatened with a gun by a police officer? Yes, Paul Dale. Do you believe that's true? Yep. Andrew, you are investigated for 11 years as a suspect yes, that's correct. in this murder. Yep. Your life is turned upside down. Oh, upside down, inside out, and whichever other way you want it turned. Um, can you take us through some of the things and how, how you felt over those years being suspected of murdering your own parents? Oh, God, how did I feel? Apart from the obvious feeling like shit, um, I couldn't believe that I was the one being looked at, the... What, just because I knew certain criminals, but what, what, were they, what we're trying to say was that I gave whoever did it um, a layout of the house, mm -hmm. where the weak points were, where they weren't, um, or that I'd given, sat down with uh, certain individuals, given them information about the place, about my dad's movements, and all the rest of that sort of crap, which I never had, never would. Given that you had a fractured relationship with your father at some points yep. because of his informing and, and, yep. and some other issues, and yep. including that um, you weren't bailed from jail yep. in 2001, um, there was no way known that it could even be um, thinkable. No one could ever think that you would ever do that to your mother. No, no, no um, way. Uh, now, Anthony, I believe there is a tape of Nicola Gobbo Talking about all this. Yeah, in the early stage of the investigation, homicide veteran Charlie Bazina and Cameron Davey would interview Nicola Gobbo. And here's a clip of it here. The strongest rumour at the moment is that Andrew was responsible. And I say rumour, I'm not saying that based on anything he said to me, mm. but that's that's the talk of Melbourne. Well, is that, is that a rumour which has been generated as a result of us interviewing him or was that a rumour which was going around prior to that? Um, prior to, and it's certainly circulating now, 
but I don't know that most people know you've interviewed him. Um, Andrew, I know because Andrew told me. Mm. Um, Jim Vallos knows. Mm-hmm. Have I specifically told anyone he was interviewed? Absolutely not. What are the what are the reasons that people are saying Andrew would have killed Terry for? What I have heard is some tampering with the crime scene and something about him removing or having a firearm. And <clears throat> one has to ask how someone would get in there. Terry was when I saw him myself, he was paranoid. Um, as in would not go to an office, would not go to a closed environment. I don't know whether he carried a weapon with him or not. Um, I, I, mean, I don't know, but I would imagine that he was, and Andrew says, that he was he wouldn't let anyone in. So who could get into that? Who could get into his house? Mm. The rumours that you'd And heard, I think that's part of the reason why there's some suspicion. Yeah, the rumours that you'd heard about um, Andrew removing things from the crime scene, did they come up... Were those rumours circulating prior to us interviewing him? Uh, yep. All right. Apart from Andrew, are there other people whose names you've heard bandied about as suspects? Um, not really. I mean, there's obviously the police themselves. Mm. Um, all sorts of things about um, Dale more than Michelle. Um, I think jokingly people have said Carl Williams because he seems to be blamed, rightly or wrongly, for a whole lot of other um, murders. Um, see, I'd be more inclined to say the people that, that like we've been through, the people I've acted for, um, I just I would be staggered if it was them. Whereas if you said, would I be staggered and amazed if it was Andrew? No. no. Not through anything specific, just, I mean, I might be completely naive and wrong about it all, but... Um, I mean, Andrew's view was that he he didn't have any time for his father. However, um, he used to say to me, look, he's my father. And and at the end of the day, he's my dad. Mm. But never much time for him. What was his relationship with his mother? Um, I got the impression that they were quite close. And since he's... Since you've interviewed him, he's, he appears to be beside himself about his mum. Um, more, more upset about mum than dad, but look, you're talking to someone who's utterly cynical and very paranoid, um, I think, with good reason these days. How many times were you interviewed by police? Oh, I lost count. One of the ones I do remember precisely is I was, um, I was at home in, um, I think I was living in Ringwood at the time, and got a phone call when my wife got home to um, to present myself at Nutterwarding Police Station. Okay. Um, I've got a slightly different version. This is your story, so I'll take your version. But I, I thought you were at the, the shopping centre? I could have been at the shopping centre. And um, uh, at Eastland? Yep. And uh, this is this is years later. This is in 2007, 2008. Yep. And um, by this stage, um, Victoria Police uh, have formed... Uh, Petra, Petra Task Force to look into yep. your parents' yep. murders, which is probably it's years down the track. It's three years down the track. Yep, and um, they're reinvigorated because they've um, got a statement from Carl Williams, mm-hmm. who says he knows what's happened. Yep, um, but you're um, picked up anyway. Yeah, I'm picked up, and um, I think you've had a few drinks. Yeah, and uh, you are taken to Narwanning Police Station. That's correct. 
this is part of an elaborate sting. Um, yes. Uh, documents now tell us where the plan was to pick you up and for you to be shaken up. Yep. And then you would ring Nicola Gobbo and she would wear a wire mm-hmm. and record what you said to her. Yep. As your lawyer. Yep. Take us through getting picked up and what happened at Nunnawading Police Station, please. Well, I walk into Nunnawading Police Station uh, with my uh, wife, um, go up to the front counter and say, I've been called here. Guy goes, what's your name? Told him my name. And he sort of looked at me startled, turned and says, wait a moment, turned around and then went into where the detective's room was, I suppose, your CIB, yep. if you like it. And um, I'm standing at the counter and I um, said to my wife, I said, oh, this something funny's going on here, right? And she goes, yeah, I've, I don't feel the best to be out of either. So what I did was I gave her my wallet, my cigarettes, my mobile phone. I'm pretty sure I even took my jewellery off. Yeah. Right? And gave it to her and said, if I'm not out in an hour, I said, phone Nicola Gobbo. Right. Right? To which she said, yep, yep, no problems. Then I was brought through into the CIB section, put into, I don't know whether it's the sergeant's office or whatever, but every detective in that section left the room. Right. Left the the entire floor area. And then in come the the hierarchy of Victoria Police with all their what I class as bird shit on their shoulders and on their chest. So they're wearing the ribbons? Yeah, the ribbons and that. Yeah, and I'm, there was a, I'm, they pushed me, not physically, but mentally pushed me. What were some of the things they said to you? Uh, we know that uh, you got information on the murder of your parents. You you want to, uh, what did they say? Uh, you want to be on, you give us that information and we'll work out some sort of deal with you. Um, these are pretty serious charges. Come on, you know something, you know something. And I just... Uh, Obviously, I didn't. I said, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Right. Right. That went on for, well, close to an hour. Okay. Of intimidation. Yep. And you were intimidated? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Who wouldn't be when you've got four high-ranking police officers in there? You're in a police station. It's not like you can jump out a window. Do you remember who did most of the talking? Oh, uh, the guy that was sitting in front of me. Um, oh, can't remember his name. It was a senior member of, but obviously uniform member of, the crime department. Right, okay. Yeah. So this intense high-level meeting goes on and you do you call Nicola Gobbo yourself? Do you go no, and see I her? No, I don't call her. No, you didn't call her? No. no. My, you, did your wife call her? I think my wife called her. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see her after that? No. Okay. No. So there was no meeting with Nicola Gobbo that took place as a part of this operation between you and her? No. Okay. No. All right. I might have spoken to her on the phone, I can't remember, but uh, no, no face-to-face meeting. Okay. Yep. If we just go back a step, immediately after you found your parents, you called for Peter DeSanto to come, and, and when he came, you, you ran out and um, you basically hugged him, Andrew. Yeah. And, and what did you say to him? I can't remember exactly what I said to him, but uh, on the grounds of they're dead, Pete, they're dead, you've got, to, you've got to find out who did this. I said it was one of yours. That's all for this week. Next week, we'll conclude this story. I'd like to thank you again, Andrew and Mandy, for coming in and talking about 
this most painful subject, I'd also like to thank you, Anthony Dowsley, for explaining the background to what went on. Thanks for that. Thanks for listening. Please comment or rate it on whatever platform you're using. And if you haven't done it already, please subscribe. A troubled young woman. Her evil parents. We never had any issues between us. Has justice been done? Uh, I'm in a prison. Join journalist Richard Gilliatt as he delves into one of Australia's most gripping cases. Shadow of Doubt, a new podcast investigation from The Australian. I cannot find one of these allegations that's possible. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts.